This is an RNZ podcast. What we're really trying to do now is really, you know, recognise the, the goal in New Zealand is to support, you know, a sustainable and diverse and robust ecosystem. And so we want to make sure that we're offering different solutions for publishers, you know, no matter where they are in their digital transformation journey. Um, hopefully there's a solution in here that will work for them and help them um, participate more in that digital transformation sure. journey. That was Mia Garlic, the Director of Policy for Australia and New Zealand for Facebook on RNZ's Morning Report last Thursday, outlining its plans to help New Zealand's media with their digital transformation. But the world's largest social network had a digital transformation of its own last week when the all-powerful founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg suddenly announced that Facebook Incorporated had a brand new identity. It is time for us to adopt a new company brand to encompass everything that we do. To reflect who we are and what we hope to build, I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. Well, Facebook will still be known as such, but the rebadged parent company's new plan is creating what Mark Zuckerberg called a virtual metaverse for us all to socialise in digitally in about five years from now. And the meta boss unveiled that in distinctly Zuckerbergian style. Whoa, we're floating in space? Uh-huh. Who made this place? It's awesome. <laughs> right? It's from a crater. I met in L.A. Uh, this place is amazing. <laughs> Boz, is that you? Of course it's me. You know I had to be the robot, man. <laughs> I thought I was supposed to be the robot. <laughs> Whoa. But while Mark Zuckerberg wants to point users to a new company with an upbeat new forward-facing vision, Vice.com's take was Zuckerberg announces fantasy world where Facebook is not a horrible company. Because incorporating all that we do, as Mark Zuckerberg himself put it there, also involves some pretty reputationally damaging stuff in Facebook's past and its present, which they knew all about but haven't fully confronted and in some cases actually suppressed. And we now know a lot more about that because of former Facebook whistleblower Frances Haugen. She teamed up with a PR agency and 17 separate media outlets recently, and her leaks have been making headlines for the past three weeks all over the world. For instance, the Sunday show on TVNZ1 last weekend included this. Unquestionably exacerbating hate. These are the words a whistleblower used this week to describe Facebook. When Frances Hagen, a former manager at Facebook, made public thousands of highly classified company documents, we saw proof that the social media giant was knowingly inflicting serious harm on its users. We didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility, and that was a big mistake. And it was my mistake, and I'm sorry. But now, in a watershed moment... Now that Australian current affairs report also addressed unmoderated misinformation about COVID that's rampant on Facebook right now. One local Facebook group entirely devoted to vaccine misinformation now has more than 40,000 members. But that wasn't the reason that Facebook, which rarely responds to news media requests for interviews, was on Morning Report last Thursday here on RNZ National. They were announcing a four-stage plan to help out New Zealand's media. Here's Mia Garlic again on Morning Report. We're launching our first audience development accelerator and grant funding program in New Zealand. And so what that's designed to do is bring together 12 publishers from regional, digital and culturally diverse publications um, so they can come together and try to innovate and learn from experts and really collaborate on new strategies to drive business growth both on and off Facebook. Then secondly, uh, we're partnering with the International Centre for Journalists and we'll be 
um, establishing the Meta Aotearoa News Innovation Advisory Group, and that group will give us advice and guidance as we roll out the Accelerator and Grant Program. Thirdly, we're hosting our first virtual Facebook New Zealand News Day, and that's going to come up on the 26th of November um, very soon. And that is really designed to sort of have scaled um, our, and dedicated coaching for all newsrooms across the country. And then fourthly, we're looking into uh, what additional investments we can make in innovation, video and technology to promote newsroom sustainability in New Zealand. And Mia Garlick from the company formerly known as Facebook hoped that this would be the result of all that. A stronger New Zealand news ecosystem, and for me personally as a media junkie, great articles that I can enjoy online. But on News Talk ZB on Thursday morning, Mike Hosking was sceptical that anything like that would result from this new announcement. Now in Australia, they cut a deal with News Corp, Channel 7, Channel 10, ABC, and each of those deals, although I don't think it was publicly disclosed, they were worth millions. Those people got millions of dollars in return for supplying the content to those people to stick on their Facebook feeds. Here we get a training and grant system. Uh, An audience development accelerator program would bring 12 publishers together from regional, digital and culturally diverse publications to innovate, learn from experts and collaborate on strategies to improve their business on and off Facebook. A grant funding program is attached to it. It would also train New Zealand publishers to grow and engage digital... I mean, that's fine. I mean, if you want to go along, sounds like a fun day with a cup of tea and a couple of biscuits. Facebook's four-stage scheme could be handy for some publishers, but nothing like as handy as the multi-million dollar payments that Google and Facebook have struck with news media in Australia to carry their news because their government threatened to change the law to force them to pay for that. Uh, Just ask me this question. Would you rather be News Corp, Channel 7, Channel 10 and ABC banking millions... Or would you rather be in New Zealand launching your training and grants program? Well, Mike Hosking was clearly underwhelmed with Facebook's helping hand for our media this week. But what about New Zealand's biggest publisher of news and employer of more journalists than any other? Stuff. After the 2019 mosque atrocity in Christchurch, which was live-streamed on Facebook, Stuff stopped advertising on the platform and posting its news to Facebook. It said Facebook wasn't compatible with its own core public values. But in mid-2020, Stuff's chief executive, Sinead Boucher, told MediaWatch she wasn't interested. Uh, No, I haven't had any meetings with Facebook here, but that's not to say that they haven't um, reached out. It's just that... You know, the sort of things that they offer or um, want to engage with are, are things that don't actually help us or contribute to us in any way. And evidently her arm's length attitude hasn't changed since then. This week, Stuff reported its own boss is saying this. They have run these kinds of accelerators or funding programmes in various ways over the years. They are designed to bind news media more tightly to their platforms and to increase publishers' reliance on Facebook and therefore ensure a supply of high-quality content for Facebook for free. But is that what this is all about? The leading researcher of the relationship between the online platforms and New Zealand's news media is Dr Maria Mililati from the Auckland University of Technology's Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy. Back in 2018, she warned that our major media companies risk becoming dangerously dependent on online platforms for their audience in a study called The Problem of Platform Dependency. And she's also looked at how overseas media have managed their relationships with the titans of tech. And currently, she's writing a book about Google, Facebook and the New Zealand media. Well, uh, I don't think Facebook uh, wants to do anything what uh, doesn't actually benefit them. In terms of when it comes to the news media, they have said that only 1.5% of all the content 
which is distributed on the platform is news. Uh, so I don't think they have inherent uh, interest in the news. When they launch in this kind of accelerator programs and subscription programs and whatever, these are all implemented on that platform. It benefits the Facebook because it kind of binds these news corporations to use the platform more. It means that you have to be on a Facebook to, in the first place to actually add those subscriptions or get more subscriptions. I think what they announce here, to me, it's almost like insult. Yeah, because, I mean, you yourself have, have researched this. You recently had an article published on the website of the International News Media Association where you talked to some independent publishers, some of whom said that things like Google subscribe were pretty useful to, to them, had uh, others had uh, good experiences with Facebook's accelerator program. This isn't to be sniffed at, is it, this sort of assistance? Because one thing news media big and small in this country need to do is bring in digital subscriptions from individuals, and this is one way to do it absolutely the way to go and anything that boosts and gives that boost for the news media is good while the news companies are doing it inside the platform ecosystem it really integrates them even more tightly so so the whole subscription or not whole but you know a lot of their subscription services then yeah the fundamental principle with the likes of google and facebook is that they don't want to be responsible for media they don't want to be put in that position where people can say you're effectively the publisher here not just a platform distributing content but i mean in australia uh facebook has for example teamed up with the walkley foundation which is a journalism uh, umbrella group 15 million dollars in an australian news fund uh, as well as uh things to support newsroom innovation and subscriptions and so on which they're now talking about for new zealand so it could be that this is the start of something where they're prepared to actually provide money for news organisations, big and small. They're doing it in Australia. So could this be the start of something bigger? I doubt it, because if you look at how this is set in, in uh, Australia, that 15 uh, million uh, fund, it's more for you know content-oriented funding. But uh, also think about that, you know, that 15 million is split with uh, multiple uh, uh, different news organisations. We don't know what the package here in New Zealand uh, is. There's no dollar terms. And if you think that there's 12 news organizations uh, included, uh, that's what I took from that uh, announcement. But it's not actually really a lot. Well, um, Mike Hosking on News Talk ZB was quite dismissive of this. He said, look, over in Australia, um, partly because the government acted, Google and Facebook have had to put millions into, uh, pay millions to Australian news media creators uh, to carry their content here he said you know he kind of dismissed this as um, a bit of digital help and a few training days with biscuits um, but you could it be a case of careful what you wish for because you've also researched the payments to news publishers uh, from google and facebook and different ways around the world the benefits are not always obvious and some publishers miss out altogether so could it be a case of careful what you wish for um, in trying to mimic what australia's done Yes, there is an element in that way that I looked at, you know, the, the payment systems, where the payments from Google and Facebook have uh, gone. Um, this was a research paper which was just published. So uh, the both, uh, one point one, Google and Facebook payments, both those payments, big payments, went uh, to same big uh, media companies, which are already dominant, benefiting those who are already strong. The local news outlets were mainly left out, and if they get get some money, so they are something like you know, $25,000, New Zealand dollars, they are on the level that you know they don't boost any sustainability there. So my study kind of confirmed 
that that is the case. And finally, Maria, uh, do you believe that in a few years' time, as Mark Zuckerberg is saying, uh, we might all be living and socialising in this metaverse that uh, he's dreamed up? I, 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 I can't predict. You know, we've been talking about AI, virtual reality and everything, uh, you know, for a long time. And uh, I'm sure that these tools are coming at some form and they're going to be utilized, but I have no idea. But I kind of, you know, think that I hope that he would actually disappear to the metaverse. <laughs> but if, if uh, Facebook does become, you know, get the first mover advantage in, in this world of AI and so on, uh, in the way that it has in social networks, uh Will news media editors and executives be looking at this and thinking, actually, we do have to build a strategy that might take this into account if Facebook is serious about the metaverse? Yes, you know, anything what they actually launching and if they are, you know, thinking that they're building and moving audiences, uh, yeah, you have to look at. And I, I know that, you know, a lot of, you know, the news corporations are looking at that space, but hey, I'm not expert in that space. That was Dr. Miria Mililati from the Auckland University of Technology's Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy. And she's the author of lots of research about Google, Facebook and the New Zealand media. And she's currently working on a new book all about that. Now, in the wake of the recent revelations in the Facebook files that we heard about earlier, some pundits are now pondering whether the phenomenally profitable company formerly known as Facebook might now be forced to face the responsibilities that come with its unparalleled reach and clout. And this week, a leading expert in artificial intelligence, Professor Stuart J. Russell from Berkeley in the US, made a strong case for that in this year's BBC Wreath Lectures. Afterwards, he was reported as saying that what was happening with Facebook was worse than Chernobyl as a wake-up call. And there to see that was Rory Kethlin-Jones, the BBC's long-serving chief technology reporter. I heard a great expert on artificial intelligence the other night uh, giving a lecture in which he compared Facebook to Chernobyl as a kind of wake-up call (laughs) to the dangers uh, of this particular technology. Here in New Zealand just this week, Facebook suddenly popped up putting forward a, a kind of four-step project. They're going to be offering you know, seminars on how to use Facebook tools, grants to media. They've formed an advisory board. I mean, this is not like Australia. It's not actually giving the media money to carry journalism, nothing like that. In the end, though, it's going to be pocket money to the likes of Facebook and Google, and they may, you know, they may grumble about it, but they won't be... They won't see it as a major threat to their business models. Don't forget, these are two businesses which what they've captured in an extraordinary fashion is the mobile advertising industry, the fuel for the whole sort of mobile internet, which obviously is a huge business. And while they've got that kind of control, they won't worry about being asked to send a few dollars uh, to this news organisation or that. That's Rory Kethlin-Jones, who retired from the BBC this week after more than 20 years covering technology, and that's a job he held before Facebook was even founded in Mark Zuckerberg's university dorm room. Rory has also charted the influence of big tech on life and in the media in a new book called Always On, Hope and Fear in the Social Smartphone Era. And next weekend here on Media Watch, we'll hear all about that and whether Rory thinks we will all be living in Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse just a few years from now.